Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, we will be continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit this morning. And today we will be going over the fruit of kindness, as Steph already described. But as a recap, as we head into the fruit of kindness, I wanted to restate what Pastor Phil emphasized in one of his sermons in the beginning of the year about abiding in Christ, and Pastor Dominic has been emphasizing in the past two week, few weeks as well as we've been going over Galatians 5, chapter 22, or chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, in which Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, gives us a summary of the fruits of the Spirit. But none of these fruits are possible for us to attain on our own or exemplify on our own. The fruit of the Spirit is only possible when we abide or we remain in Christ and we allow him to change us from the inside out. All the fruits are tied together. You can't, you can't be not patient and loving at the same time. You can't have no peace and joy at the same time. They are all tied together. And once again, this is all through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Before we dive into the message today, let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you so much for the transforming power that is found in it. Lord, pray that you would open, up our, open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, and we pray that you do that through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been working on memorizing the passage. So we'll read the entire passage together. Uh, as a church, and then we'll recite from memory the fruits that we've gone over in the fruit of kindness today. So, the passage will be on the screen right here. So let's all read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, let's do the fruits we've gone over and the fruit of kindness today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Wow. Great job. <laughs> we all get 100% today. That sounded great. So today we'll unpack what Scripture has to say about what kindness is, God's kindness, and then how we can be kind. But before we begin, I wanted to ask a question. Does anyone ever get hangry? <laughs> hangry? Yeah, all right. You know, it's hunger and anger. Maybe it's just me, but I have a feeling that many of us get a little cranky sometimes and feel like being unkind. So the Oxford English Dictionary has a word for this. It's hangry. <laughs> it was adopted into the Oxford English Dictionary in 2018. Hangry, an adjective, is defined as bad-tempered or irritable as a result of hunger. 
hungry plus angry, hangry, right? So dare I ask, is anyone hangry right now? <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> don't worry. Lunchtime is coming soon, and the sermon's only about eh, eight hours or so, so. <laughs> but I wanted to share just a little glimpse into our family. So hangry was a word that was thrown around in our family when we were first married, because we would get hangry and then justify whatever behavior we did just because we blamed it on hanger. But we both realized that hangry was becoming a justification for unkind behavior. So we learned the word halt in premarital counseling, which means hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Which you sense that when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, stop, halt, halt what you're doing, and then take care of one of those needs to be taken care of. And then the conversation that you're having will have a much higher chance of having a successful conversation <laughs> in that scenario. So sometimes that might need be, we just might need a snack, and other times it might be because we don't get enough sleep or that we had a stressful day. There will always be things in our lives that will tempt us to be unkind towards others. And this is just a lighthearted illustration to help illustrate the topic of the sermon today, which is on the fruit of kindness. So when we look at the word kindness in Greek, it is translated as kindness, goodness, gracious, to be generous and considerate. So that's what the word kindness is translated as. What I, what I like to do personally, is I, to better understand a word, is I like to look at what the opposite of a word is to get a better understanding, in which the Oxford Dictionary states that the opposite of the word kind is unkind. <laughs> Thank you, Oxford Dictionary. But other words that they put in there are inconsiderate, mean, cruel, and harsh, which helps us to better understand what kindness is, but then also what kindness is not. So we'll be jumping around multiple passages today to get a better understanding of what a biblical definition of kindness is. And they will be on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles as well. The first one we're gonna go over is Romans chapter two, verse four, which states, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. As we have been learning about the fruit of the Spirit, all of these fruits, God has. So God has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He is that. And when we are talking about the fruit of kindness, that's who God is. God is kind. The first passage that we're going through is Romans 2.4. So context-wise, here in Romans chapter 2, right before this, Paul is writing in Romans 1 about how all of humanity is fallen, how all of humanity is without excuse and then in chapter 2, 
Paul then switches to a Jewish, Jewish audience, and he's telling this Jewish audience that he's writing to, and he's saying that you guys are passing this judgment on these Gentiles, these other people, but you guys are doing the same exact thing that they are doing. And then in verse 4, he states, this is the entire verse, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God, in his great mercy, in his patience, his goodness, his graciousness, is what leads us to repentance. It is what helps us to turn from our sins and turn to him. It doesn't say that God is harsh or that God is mean or that God is inconsiderate. It's the exact opposite of what it's saying. What it's saying is that we are all fallen people who are deserving of God's wrath because God is just. But God doesn't leave us in our broken. He doesn't leave us in our fallen state. He is gracious and he is merciful. And through that kindness that he shows us, which is ultimately through his son, through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, that leads us to turn from our sins and to turn to him. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And then we learn in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, that when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. The ultimate act of kindness the ultimate act of love was displayed for us in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And then an important distinction to this is that we have done nothing to deserve this kindness from God. As we learn in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves, but it is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So there's nothing that we can do. There is no good thing or good acts that we can do to earn salvation or to earn favor with God or for him to be gracious to us or for him to be kind to us. Once again, God is kind. It is who he is, and he is kind to us, and there is nothing that we can do or that we have done or that we can ever do to earn his kindness. So, moves on to our next point. God is kind. And then from that, we can move on to say that as Christians, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit and that we are to be kind. And when Steph was doing the children's illustration, the thing that popped in my mind was, be kind and please rewind. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my, those were the days, the good old VHS. But we as Christians are to be kind. And as I prepared to speak on this topic of kindness this week, I realized that I couldn't bring up kindness without talking about Minnesota nice. Right? Minnesota nice. So I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago. So when my wife and I moved up here in 2017, Minnesota nice was kind of this new idea to me. Did you know that there's actually a book, there's probably many books that are written about Minnesota nice. So according to the author's research, Minnesota nice has seven characteristics. You guys ready for this? All right. First one is polite friendliness, aversion to confrontation, not wanting to intrude, emotional restraint, resistance to change, passive aggressiveness, and then understatements, or making it seem like it's not that big of a deal when it actually is a big deal. And for me, it has been an adjustment for me. Even though Chicago is in the Midwest, there's kind of a slightly different culture from Chicago than it is here. So an example of this. So in Chicago, when you were at a stoplight, and let's say you're ready for the light to turn green, and the light turns green, and you don't go 0.1 seconds after that light turns green, there will be a host of cars that are blaring their horns behind you until you start moving. So, whereas here, contrast in Minnesota, at least my experience, has been you're at a stoplight, and five seconds after the light has turned green, you'll have someone who slightly beeps their horn at you. (laughs) So... People in Chicago are just a little bit more direct, is the best way to put it. Of course, these are overgeneralizations of large populations. But I'm naturally a peacekeeper and naturally a harmonizer. And my own personality lends itself to be more like the Minnesota nice culture. But after living here for seven years in the Minnesota nice culture, I can just say from my perspective, it can be a little bit confusing. Someone will say something, but you have to interpret what they say through a ton of context clues. <laughs> so I, I just have an example of this. So an example would be neighbor A is blasting music through the night hours, and the bass from the music is keeping neighbor B up through the night, night after night. So neighbor B knows exactly who neighbor A is. They know that neighbor A is blasting their music through the night, and neighbor B knows exactly what music that they're blasting through the night. They probably have the lyrics memorized, and they are wanting neighbor A to turn their music down, and neighbor B is at their wit's end. So when neighbor B sees neighbor A taking their trash out, neighbor B walks up to neighbor A and says, Hi, neighbor. I'm not sure if you've heard, but there are some people in the neighborhood talking about how there has been someone in our neighborhood listening to music at night, and some some people are having trouble falling asleep. Some some people have commented on how the music is making it hard for them to fall asleep. I mean, do, do you hear this music at night? I'm not saying it's you. I'm not saying it's you. 
It's just keeping some people in the neighborhood up at night. So if you figure out who is playing the music at night, now it's probably around the time of 10.35 p.m. to 31.00 a.m., would you be able to tell them to turn the music down? <laughs> that's an example of indirect communication. And that's what Minnesota nights can look like. And it takes a lot of mental effort to try to decipher through the indirect communication, through the tonal inflection in the voice, whether eye contact is being made, body language. Minnesota nice is an entire language within itself, I've decided. But the reason why I'm saying this, I heard a, a quote this past week was, to be clear is to be kind. To be unclear is to be unkind. And Another reason why I'm saying this is like, so the word nice and kind are sometimes used interchangeably, but they are considered synonyms, but they are not the same. And this isn't my original idea, but I heard once in a sermon on the radio, being kind is the compassion of God on display through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, whereas being nice seeks to please people more than God out of selfish pursuits. That's a lot. I'm going to say it again. Being kind is the compassion of God on display through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, whereas being nice seeks to please people more than God out of selfish pursuit. So this is incredibly important because sometimes being kind, sometimes following the compassion of God will not always be nice. Recently, Pastor Phil, our youth pastor, gave a sermon on forgiveness and reconciliation. And if you haven't listened to it, I suggest that you listen to it on our podcast. And you have trouble finding it, I'll help find it for you. But it is a command for Christians to forgive. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It is a command to forgive other people. And this is not the only reference of the importance of forgiving others in the Bible, but this verse displays how kindness is forgiveness. And this is most specifically in your heart. The act of forgiveness might not be nice for you, but it is kind and compassionate. In a nutshell, kindness isn't always nice, but it is always merciful, just like our Lord is merciful. And that's where we see that God, that he was kind and merciful and compassionate towards us. He was kind and merciful and compassionate to us while we were still dead in our sins, while we were still dead in our transgressions. He sent his one and only son to die for our sins. That we as believers in Jesus are called to the same level of radical kindness and mercy towards others within our lives. 
And really on a practical level, the word kindness also has connotations of generosity in it and how we need to be generous towards others. Generous towards others and giving them our time, but also generous towards others in our daily interactions with them. I think so often a lot of conflicts can be avoided if we assume the best intentions of others. That was my advice that was given to me from one of my mentors when I first started off as a pastor, is assume the best intentions of others. And really, that's really changed the way that I've done things and the way that I interact with people because I just know that a lot of conflicts can be avoided from that because people will assume bad motives. They'll assume ill intentions of others. And because when you assume the best intention from others, it really helps to reframe words. It helps to reframe how people say things, the words that they use, if you choose to see the best intentions that people have. And because... and. I'll say that it's not easy at first. So when someone says something that sounds offensive, it sounds harsh, our first inclination is to either put up a wall and not talk to them ever again, or it's either to fire back straight at them. But to be kind also requires patience, which is what we stated previously in the series, that all these fruits are tied together. You cannot have one without the other. But it is to be patient in that circumstance and to be generous towards that individual. And this can be extremely difficult. So it's trying to put yourselves in the other person's shoes. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe their car broke down. Maybe they just received terrible news from the doctor. Really, ultimately, and the, the main way that we can truly be kind to others is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We just can't muster up enough strength. We just can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just decide that we want to be kind. But it's through the Holy Spirit's work in your own heart. And it's to truly see people as God sees them to truly have compassion for people, just like the compassion that God has for you, and to experience his kindness, to experience his compassion. And that's how you start to truly show kindness and compassion to others. We're going to go and move on to the practical application points for today, which some of these I've already said but it's just to reiterate and drive some of these points home. And the first and the most important part of this, and the first step is accept Christ as Savior. It is impossible to practice true kindness, true compassion, without declaring Jesus Christ as Lord and proclaiming the forgiveness of sins that is found in him and the new life in his resurrection and having the Holy Spirit come inside your heart and to completely change and to transform your life. Amen? 
And if this has not happened for you, I pray that you would come to that moment and I would be glad to talk to you after the service. And there'll be a prayer team up here who would love to pray with you as well. But this step is crucial in order to having true kindness and true compassion. And then the second point is being generous and compassionate toward others. This is what we just talked about, but this is a big application point. Assume the best motives of others. Be forgiving towards one another, and that's a huge aspect of the Christian walk. People are not perfect. People will hurt you. And that is a guarantee. The number one way that you cannot be hurt by people is to go live in isolation. <laughs> then you won't be hurt by people. But the difference between a follower of Jesus and our world is that we forgive others that hurt us. We don't hold grudges against people. That's not what God does. He does not hold a grudge against us. So we should not do that. As a church, the number one thing that I heard growing up and going to church is that if you find a perfect church, don't go to it because you're just going to mess it up. <laughs> right? I'm not perfect. Right? Go ahead. Ask my wife, Allison. She'll tell you I'm not perfect. Pastor Dominic's not perfect. Everyone out here, you guys are perfect. I'm sorry to burst your bubble if you thought you were perfect. Let's say it together. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. We are going to hurt other people, and it is important that we are quick to apologize when we know that we do something wrong. Quick to forgive and quick to apologize is kindness in action. I'm going to say that again. Quick to forgive and quick to apologize is kindness in action. Last point is being kind is being generous with your time. In a day and age where time seems to be at an extraordinary minimum, kindness is being generous with your time towards others. I, I'm not sure if it's just me within this stage being two full-time working parents with a kid, with a two-year-old with, within the season of life, but time is extraordinarily limited. We seem to always to be running into time crunches as a family, but a practical way of being generous with your time is that if you, if you notice that someone is going through a hard time or notice that someone is going through a rough patch or someone just needs to talk, it's just going that extra mile, taking that few extra minutes and just talking with them, saying, hey, what's going on? I want to be here for you, pray for them, and just ask them practically, how can I be helping you throughout this season of life? And that's just a, a practical way of being kind to people. I can't remember. I'm awful at remembering who says things. But it was through a sermon that I heard this past week, once again on the radio. Pastor said, just as in giving of our finances and resources to God, he will abundantly bless us and abundantly meet our needs. And this is the same way with time. When we give of our time to God and we give of our time to others, God will abundantly bless us and abundantly meet our needs and give us the time that we need. 
God showed us the ultimate act of kindness on the cross and has given us new life in him. And then from that, we as believers in Jesus, we are called to that same level of kindness towards those within our lives and showing compassion to every single person who is around us. Let's go ahead and close in prayer for today. We thank you, Lord, for the kindness that you showed us in sending your son into our world, dying on the cross for our sins and rising on the third day and the new life that we find in that. We pray that you would help us to show kindness to all those who are around us. If there are people that we need to forgive, I pray that you would put that on our hearts and that you would give us the strength to help forgive those people. And where we need forgiveness, I pray that you would help us to apologize to those that we have wronged. Show us the people that we need to have a conversation with, that need an encouraging word, and help us to be a light in this broken and dark world. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said...